Well, good morning. How are you guys? Well, that was kind of pitiful. Are you guys okay? I'm Scott Weatherford. Glad you're here today. I guess you see my little friends here on the, on the table. You're going, what is that guy up to? How many of y'all think that every week? What is that guy up to? Yeah, that's kind of all y'all. That's, that's good. That's good. We want to keep y'all on your toes around here. But this week, we're going to talk about, well, just really more about why we exist, why it said it so well. We exist to build lives that honor God. Okay, what does that mean? God wants you to honor him with your life, and that is an act of worship. And the second week of this First Life series, we talked about what worship is and what worship isn't. And you know, music is a part of worship, it's not worship. Are you, you got that? That, of course, in our vernacular, worship is the slow songs, praise is the fast songs, remember that? And so worship, music is an expression of worship, giving is an expression of worship. Listening to me preach is an exercise in worship. Some might think, well, that's an exercise in just endurance, right? But it, it really is. And then serving of God by serving others, that's an act of worship. So that's all an act of worship. Sharing your faith is an act of worship, all about honor. The second week, uh, the th- actually the third week, we talked about last week, I think it was, a, no, it was a week before. We talked about why you needed to be connected. And 29 people joined First Baptist Church Wimberley that weekend. Wasn't that incredible? Yeah, and, and then... So more join, and Wyatt, I think in the last three months, we've had over 100 people join our church family, right? And about 30 of those, uh, he doesn't know. He just, ice cream is in the back, Wyatt. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's awesome. I love Wyatt. But uh, that's just been incredible how God's been adding to our family, those that are being saved and those that are coming to be a part. That's exciting. Last week, we talked about spiritual epigenetics, you, some of y'all remember that talk? And you're going like, what? Where does he come up with this stuff? And that's to be like Christ. That's epigenetics and to be like Christ. So we talked about that last week. If you missed any of those talks, you could go online and, and listen. They're on our website. If you have trouble sleeping at night, you could go online, listen to me speak, and it'll put you to sleep. It seems to work on Sunday mornings pretty well. And then this week, we're going to talk about the next part of a life that honors God, building lives that honor God, and we're talking about serving God by serving others, by selfishly giving our lives away. Do you know it takes selfless people, selfless people to have a healthy church? Selfish people create a toxic church. And our goal here is not to be big, our goal is to be healthy. Remember I said every time I go to the doctor, she does not celebrate my size, she celebrates my health. She didn't say, oh, Pastor Scott, you got so much bigger since last time. No, it's never good. I know some of y'all are saying, well, you had a suit on in the video. Why don't you wear a suit today? Somebody's dead. I'm in a suit. Okay, so y'all got that? You don't want to see me in a suit. In fact, okay, all right, she got that. All right, that's good. If somebody's going to get married, well, I'm not going to draw that analogy. Anyway, that's... um, that was just wrong, and I won't do that ever again, I promise, sweetheart. She's, I'm getting the look. I'm thinking of epigenetics again. Okay, but all of that is to serve God by serving others, and it takes selfless people to be a healthy church, that we have to set aside our rights and our privileges and our wants and our expectations in order for God to move in us. Oh, man, you know when you become a parent, you have to lay aside your preferences? Isn't that the truth? Nobody wants to watch Moana 5,000 times. Nobody does. Or I was, I was, I turned on our TV in, in our game room and, and uh, Elsa came up from Frozen. I went, what the heck is this? 
And it was, you know, Ivy was there. They were watching the Disney Channel. I quickly shifted to football, which is, you know, a man's thing to watch, not Frozen. But Frozen is kind of a good move. Okay, anyway. So we're going to talk about serving God by serving others. Now, I grew up on the Gulf Coast of Florida. I started surfing when I was 14 years old. And I, I surfed all the way until about two, three years ago, I had my last venture in the surf, and I just stopped surfing. My, my knees and my hips and, my, and the Save the Wealth people kept pushing me back out to sea. It was all those things that I just kind of quit, quit surfing. But I was given in 1995, uh, my church in, in Victoria, Texas, Parkway Church, gave me a custom-made Robert August high-performance surfboard. Nine feet, gorgeous, it was shaped just for me. And I used that board in three different oceans of the world, uh, in the Pacific, in the Atlantic, in the Gulf. I got to surf on that board. It was amazing. That board would, it was far greater than my abilities. Uh, but it was shaped for me. And so I enjoyed riding waves. I rode waves from very small to very large. I went surfing one day in Huntington Beach, California. The waves were about 15 feet. I had no business being in the water and almost drowned that day. But I caught an epic big wave on that great board. And it's something I could close my, mind, my eyes and see me going down the face of that wave even today and feeling that adrenaline rush. How many of you think I'm crazy right now? Okay, that's right. That's why my mama prayed for me uh, because I just love that, that rush. And I enjoyed that board. But that board was shaped exactly for me. Even with my limited abilities, I enjoyed that board at great, uh, just great pleasure and surfed on a long time. Now, a couple of years ago, uh, there, was some, uh, there was a family in our church in Alabama, and I gave them that surfboard. There was two, two girls, two uh, preteen girls that were learning how to surf, and I gave their mom and dad that surfboard. So they're enjoying that surfboard even today. And they, you know, they call me Papa Scott, and uh, that's kind of, actually, that's kind of how I got their nick, the nickname. Those kids started calling me Papa Scott. Now, my granddaughters call me that, and, and I'm okay uh, with that title at all. And they have that board now. That board was, is awesome. Now listen to me. You, you were custom shaped by God for his glory. In fact, God is still shaping you. And you will not understand the full power and the benefits of your life until you fully yield for God to use you as he shaped you. Now I'm like a lot of you guys. I, I grew up in a church that believed that serving God was you preached, or you taught, or you sang. That's kind of it. And anything else was, that's really wasn't serving God. So the spiritual superstars preached, or taught, or sang. Or if you were really, really spiritual, you were a missionary. And you lived in a foreign land, and you would come back every four years and show your slides and bore us all to death with your stories. And that was the, sorry, Tom, Beverly. Yeah, okay, it is what it is, right? But as you thought about the, just the simplest things that God uses, to see a need, to meet a need, to greet, to work with kids. In fact, I think superstar Christians work with kids. That's what I think. Or work with students. If you really want to be spiritual, work with junior high students. <laughs> and how God uses people, or, or step into mission trip, or like many of my carpenter helpers friends, they're going into some rough places right now and tearing down sheetrock and, and helping mud out and doing those things, serving God by serving others. Some of you, it's a cup of cold water. It's a, it's a loaf of banana bread to your neighbor. It's something 
that's beyond you. It takes selfless people to have a great life. And I think that God really wants you to understand how he shaped you. Now, let me, let me read this passage for you. You serve Jesus by serving people. Jesus said, if you've done it to the least of these my brothers, you've done it unto, finish it, me. Listen to this passage. <clears throat> now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. Now, look at me a second. Some of you think, okay, well, this is, this is it. There's no more gifts than these. No, no, no. Paul has several places where he talks about gifts in the body. Peter talks about gifts in the body. And, and we are a body. When you become a member of the church, you're not joining Costco. You're becoming a member of the body. A severed finger is worthless. But a finger attached to the hand becomes useful. And that's why it's important that you're connected to a body of believers to serve God effectively. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Now, you read that and you say, well, that's the, that's the, that's the big five. That's, that's like, that's, you know, that's the spiritual superstars. That's the people God loves the most. You know, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. That's the ones that, that really matter. No. And Paul goes on to say this, and I love this. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work, God's work, not the prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, and apostles' work, but God's work, and build up the body of Christ. In other words, when I serve God, I'm building up the rest of you. When you serve God, you're building up the rest of us. So that means when you're not serving, guess what you're doing? You're tearing down. You're tearing down. And then Paul goes on to say, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge. Faith is the things that we understand. Knowledge is the ability to apply what we understand of God's Son that we are mature in the Lord. And what Paul's saying unashamedly here, you will not be spiritually mature until you start serving. You might have great knowledge, you might have read all the works of Andrew Murray or A.W. Tozer, but if you're not serving, you're not, you're not mature. You're immature. That measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. You see, God gives gifts and abilities, but they're not siloed. They're for all of us. All of us. Have y'all ever been a part of an organization or a company or a, a family that's siloed? that everybody just kind of does what they want to do when they want to do it. One of the great curses of technology is it's created more isolation and less community. Now, we talk about, oh, well, I'm connected on Facebook. Really? Really? You might be aware of everybody's crazy mess because of Facebook, but really, are you connected? I'm, I'm connected to someone on Twitter. Or I like what Twitter says. Someone's following me on Twitter. Are they really following me? Are they just reading the stuff that I posted? Well, now it's 240 characters. They've upped it from 140 because we all suffer with, with, with verbal plethora of nonsense. And so they've upped that. And, and so we, are we really connected if we're not really serving? And so serving matters. And, and serving defines us. 
They'll be going on. It, it gives us gifts that aren't siloed, that aren't, that aren't categorized in this silo, this silo, this silo, but beneficial to all. That we all, what I do influences you. And what you do influences me. Is that true? I see two heads, and I'm not sure if you're agreeing or if you're nodding off. <laughs> and so it's not siloed. And the, re- the, the reason God gives this, this gifts is to equip you. Now, it's really interesting, that word equip. It's the same word used when Peter and John were amending their nets at the Sea of Galilee when Jesus called them to come follow him. That word equip means to return or to restore to usefulness. That your life has been marred and broken by sin. And what God wants to do is to return you to usefulness by mending you, and he mends you by you serving. By you serving. That's the way he builds you up. He mends you. Now, automatically, when you, usually in the church, in a gathering like this, you hear the word serving, you're thinking, well, he's gonna hit us up to work in children's ministry. Yes, but no. Because God wants you to serve him the way he has created you and the way, in fact, the way he has shaped you, just like this board has been shaped, and I'll give you that. That you might be built up. And that when you're built up, we're built up. We are better together. And God wants to build us up. God doesn't want to tear you down. Now, some people think that God is into karma. That if I do bad things, he'll do bad things back to me. If I do good things, he'll reward me with good things. That's not the way it works. God wants to build you up. He causes all things to work together for good, for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. He causes all things, even stupid things. God causes to work for good. Now, some of you say, well, I just gave God a lot of ammunition. Yeah. And he's working out the good in your life, and, and for spiritual growth, that you might grow to be like Christ, that you won't stay who you are. Remember Romans eight twenty eight, cause all things work together for good. Romans eight twenty nine, that you might become like Christ. And so the good is that you become like Christ. And all of this is to make Jesus famous. All of this is to bring God glory. Now, go ahead and take, your, uh, take the weekend with you notes. I don't know if you have them out already, but if you don't, go ahead and take them out because I want you to write this down. You're, I want you to write this down. And here it is. Your full delight will be found in living all for Jesus. Your full delight will be found in living all for Jesus. Not all for yourself. Not all for yourself. Every believer, every one of you who profess Christ as Savior is important. And every ministry that you do matters. Every ministry matters. So I want to ask a question. So how many ministers are in the room? If you're a minister, if you trusted Christ, raise your hand. Keep your hand up. Just keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. You're all ministers. Put your hand down. Now, you're not all pastors. Thank God. And some of y'all are saying, thank God, I'm not a pastor. That's right. But every one of us are a ministry, and every one of your ministries matter. You just go, 
well, I'm really not doing anything for God. You are in the right place today. So God can motivate you to live all for him and to live to make him famous. And it might be uh, in a children's ministry, it might be mudding out a, a house that's, that's been overwhelmed by the storm. <clears throat> it might be uh, helping someone that's uh, caught in an addiction. It might, be, it might be, I don't know, it might be stopping on the side of the road to help someone with a broken down car in the name of Jesus. Everything you do matters, matters. So let's dig into this a bit deeper. God knows you, and he intends to use your life for his glory. Let me say that again. God knows you, and he intends to use your life for his glory. Your response is to lean into Jesus and discover your ministry shape. Your ministry shape. And I want to help you. I want to help you. This uh, board that I had brought me great joy. I mean, great joy. Uh, many nights I would say to Tara, uh, I'm about to have my favorite dream. And she knew it was about surfing. Wasn't about her. It was about surfing because she is my dream come true. I don't have a dream about her. Did that help that other? No, it didn't. Okay. <laughs> but that board brought great joy. God wants to bring great joy to me as he enjoys me and how he shaped me. For his glory. Y'all ready, ready to go on this? All right, Father, help us as we lean into this a little harder, a little deeper, and show us how you've shaped us for your glory. And I pray you'll speak through me, not be my words or thoughts, but your truth that leads us to your understanding and your righteousness. And I pray this in your name. Amen. Now turn to your neighbor and say, leave me alone. This is too important for you to aggravate me, okay? All right, good. All right, here we go. Let's talk about our shape. S-H-A-P-E. S-H-A-P-E, and that is an acrostic for five important things and concepts you need to know. The first, the first S stands for your spiritual gift, your spiritual gift. God has shaped you with starting with a spiritual gift. 1 Corinthians 12, 4, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of all of them. And what is that spirit? It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives you gifts. Now, the moment you say, Jesus, I'm yours, and the moment you're saved, God has endowed you with spiritual giftedness, a divine enablement. And there's several lists, and, and uh, pretty soon we're going to be offering an experience that will help you discover your shape. And we're going to be teaching that uh, on an ongoing basis to everyone who comes to this church or part of this church. We want you to understand your shape, and we want you to understand your ministry, and we want to get people engaged in ministry. Wouldn't that be great? The average church has 20% of its people engaged in ministry. We are not average. We're above average, right? So we want to flip the script on that. We want to see 80% of people engaged and 20% of the people getting engaged. Okay? There's some cool gifts, and then there's some uncool gifts. You're, what? What does that mean? Is it cool gifts? Well, you know, in the church, we like to think of the cool gifts like you're gifted to preach or teach or sing, those kind of things. In fact, I think singing is probably more of ability than it is a spiritual gift. And then there's some uncool gifts. Like, like when I take the gift assessment that we do, my, my score in mercy is really, really, really low. Anybody else like that? that you're, don't raise your hand on your spouse's mercy scale but you're, you're, you're just really low in mercy. And that seems like that's an uncool gift to me. Leadership, that's a cool gift. You know, like I score high in leadership, that's a cool gift. I'm cool, I'm a leader. 
I'm really not merciful. That's really should be a, like a different combination. I should be a merciful leader, right? Don't judge me. But there's cool gifts and uncool gifts. And, and the thing is that we have to understand that all gifts matter and everything God wants to do for us, uh, through us, matters. Now, many kinds. Paul gives a list of about, well, some people say there's 22. Some say there's 28. Peter, he gives two. I like Peter. He said, teach and serve. That's it. But here's the truth. Now, I'm going to make some of you just like, your mind's going to go, poof. Because you believe in sensationists. You, you believe that once God closed the New Testament, he shut down all the gifts and what the gifts are and the gifts are. God is God, and he can add gifts as he wants it to the body of Christ. Now, some of them are going to have that, that typical tracking is found in the li list of the New Testament, but they're going to have nuances and differences to them. But God, now listen to me. God gives you those gifts when you get saved. You don't get a second dose of the Holy Ghost. You get all of Jesus when you say yes to Jesus. Are you all with me? And there's, there's, there's a time when there's a deeper surrendering of your life. But when you get saved, you get all the Holy Spirit, and he gives you gifts. Oftentimes, your gifts, get this, lie dormant in your life until pressure is applied and they become evident. Or until adversity is applied and they come to the surface. Until misery comes and makes it your ministry, or your mess turns into your message because God's already given you his divine enablement, but it was dormant. And through the time and re revelation of the Holy Spirit, he brings us to light. Let me tell you, in my own life, this has been the case. God gave me the gift to teach. I didn't know it until I was 33 when God asked me, to start the first church I started. I didn't know I was a preacher. I didn't know some of y'all still wondering about that. I didn't know I could communicate. I didn't know these things until I started doing it and I started feeling the divine enablement and God was speaking through me. And I went, oh, this is a spiritual gift. I'm gonna say this, it, it just in the greatest amount of humility I can muster. Sometimes I listen to myself and I go, wow, that was good. And it wasn't me. Because I knew if it, something good came out of me, it came from God. Every time I preach, you guys hear me pray this. Lord, they don't need to hear from me. What I have to say is nonsense and noise. What you have to say is life and peace. I'm begging God to give me the divine enablement to communicate to you because what you hear from me matters. And you need to hear from God. And it's a divine enablement. And some of you giving you other divine enablements that just come to surface because you've said yes to Jesus. So a few years ago, I made a decision that Jesus has my yes before he even asks. I'm in. And sometimes I need to be a little more discerning about his invitation because I'll get overextended. But I have, Jesus has my yes. Lord, I'm willing. And the key to all this is a divine enablement. And the key to all of this is you submitting to the Holy Spirit's working in your life. Stop arguing with God. And I've heard believers use spiritual gifts as a divine excuse not to do something. Not to do something. There's some universal things that we're supposed to do. You're supposed to give. You're supposed to give of your resources, every one of you. 
Now, some of you have the divine enablement to give extraordinarily. God's given you the divine enablement to make a big pile of money. And he's, and listen to me, listen to me. Jesus, when he comes back, he doesn't need any walking around money. So you're not saving up your cash for Jesus to have a stash to go to In-N-Out Burger, okay? And, and to think about it as a church too, we need, to, we need to understand that resources are given to us as a family that we might invest in people's lives for ministry, not to hoard, not to hoard. But some of you say, well, I don't have the gift of giving, so I don't give. You know what that is? Heresy. All right. Some of you have that divine enablement. All of us have the divine responsibility. Now, some of you say, well, I have the gift of evangelism. I can talk to people about Jesus. Every one of us have the divine mandate to share our hope in Christ. Some people are more gifted than others. Well, you say, well, I don't have that gift, so I don't do it. Heresy. We're all supposed to do it. Hospitality. Inviting people in, making them feel comfortable. Well, some of you say, well, I'm just not Martha Stewart of the Christian world. And so I don't have anybody over. You know what that's called? Selfishness. We're supposed to open up our homes. Now, some of you are the Martha Stewart of the Christian world. Well, show your Martha off all for Jesus. And it's not about whether or not you're gifted to do it. You're being obedient to do it. Now, I've been around people with the gift of hospitality, and you have too. And when you go to their home, you go, oh, my gosh. In fact, ladies, this could be intimidating to you. You go to somebody's home that's like, you know, Martha Stewart or whomever, you know, Joanna Gaines, and you're going, oh, I could never have anybody over at my house because my house doesn't have all this stuff. You know, get over it. Get over it. That we're supposed to extend love to one another, aren't we? Ooh, I just messed with y'all. Y'all look at me like, I'll be glad when he's done with this talk, yeah. And so we have the divine responsibility, divine enablement. The thing is, don't die with your gifts still inside you. I heard of two gold miners that were up in the Yukon uh, digging for gold, and they found this, this guy found this huge nugget of gold, huge. It was so big he couldn't carry it. And he, he was, had it cradled to his chest. He was holding on to it, and the mine was caving in around him. And he told his buddies, tell everyone I died rich. It's, 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 it's about living rich and about investing your life. And I've heard it. And, and so here's, here's the deal. Here's the deal. And if we agree to do this and say, you know what? God has given me spiritual gifts, but if I see a need, I'm going to meet a need. If I see a need, I'm going to meet a need. I got a friend of mine. He carries around gift cards in his truck. To McDonald's and other fast food restaurants. And he sees someone on the side of the road, he'll stop, roll down his window, and give him a gift card. Because he sees the need, meets the need. He's stocked up. Um, I did that a while for a while, not with gift cards, but with like protein bars. I'd see somebody, I'd roll down the window, I'd hand them that, and I'd say, I'm sorry, but this is all I got. Yeah. But see a need, meet a need. And to be intentional with that. And say, I'm going to be a person. Um, Oh, Tara knows if I got cash in my wallet and someone asks for money, guess what? They're going to get it. They're going to get it. Don't come up to me today. If you've got any money, just don't do it. That's why she makes sure I never have any cash in my wallet. But that's, you see a need, you meet a need. You know, a, a, a guy told me one time, he said, 
Man, you never know what they're gonna do with that money. They're gonna go out and buy whiskey with it. I say, you know, it doesn't matter what they do. It's matter what my heart does. It's my heart that matters. And I've told you stories how I've responded in generosity and God has blown me away. For instance, the story I told you not long ago about the guy in, in, in Washington, D.C., who I gave $20 to, and he stopped and he prayed for Tara and I. I was judging him, but God was using him to touch me. So spiritual gift. The, the second thing is heart. What do you really love to do? God, and he doesn't, he doesn't silo these things. Now, in, in the church, we have a tendency to emphasize spiritual gifts, but in that, that is an emphasis, and it's important, but it's not solely that. What do you love to do? What is your heart? What is your passion? What really makes your heart sing? What do you really love to do? Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires, it says in Psalm 37, 4. God gave you passions, and God has put those things into you. I grew up, I loved to surf. So we started a surfing ministry. We taught hundreds of kids how to surf. We did that. There was nothing. I'll, I'll go to the beach back when we were go to the beach, and I'd take my board, and I would paddle out, and I would look for, for people who wanted to learn how to surf. I'd paddle them and said, hey, you want to learn how to surf? And they'd go, yeah. And I would teach them how to surf, and I would talk to them about Jesus. Because I think Jesus was a surfer. He walked on water. You talk about a custom-made board, that's, that's pretty incredible. And so, I just he gave me that passion. Um, you know, some of you, some of you ladies have a passion for decorating and, and home design. God, he doesn't want you to do all that, so your husband walks in and said, you been to Hobby Lobby again? <laughs> gave it so you could share that with others and, and to build people up. And, and the passion, he's given these passions. Some of you guys have a passion for deer hunting. Can you deer hunt for the glory of God? Can you deer hunt and make sausage and feed us all on a Sunday morning? You could. We had a bunch of guys in Victoria, Texas, who had a passion for fishing. They started a fishing ministry, and one day we fried fish for 3,000 people that our fishing ministry had caught. They caught all of it for the glory of God. And the engineers geeked out, figured out a way to fry it in under a minute. They, they developed a gravity pull fish fryer. And they were using their passion. You know, geeks like to geek, and they geeked out, and they love that. That's what they do. Give them a formula. Give them a math problem. You guys know Jonathan, uh, our, our contemporary worship leader. Jonathan, I mean, you talk to him about math, he just gets all geeky. The rest of us are getting nauseous, and he's going, oh, I love to talk about, you know, quantum, blah, blah. It's like, just shut up. <laughs> but that's the passion Passion and spiritual gifts are congruent. They work together. What is your passion? Use it all for Jesus. You say, well, I don't know if God can use my passion. Yes, he can when you submit it to the Lord. Your A is your ability. What are you really good at? What are you really good at? Whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord, Jesus, giving thanks to him through the God the Father. Whatever you do or say, do it for Jesus. What, what can you really do? Now, some of you think, well, I don't have a lot of abilities. Liar, liar, pants on fire. The average person has over 10,000 abilities. 10,000 abilities. You know, when you get married, you, you learn silly things about each other, right? Like, I have the ability to roll my R's. Tara can't roll her R's. You know, I can, you know, I can 
roll my R's. I can, I can curl my tongue. Tara can't curl her tongue. So my abilities are superior to her abilities, right? <laughs> no. And those are silly abilities, but you, all of us have abilities and we give that to Jesus. Some of y'all have the abilities to figure out details. I don't. I'm 50,000 feet in the air. I say, let's do this, let's do this. My staff could testify to the, the fact that I do not have the abilities to figure out details. Can I get a witness? Amen. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here. Thank you, Tom. Mr. I got all the details figured out. Yeah, that's right. And so that's because of abilities. God has given them abilities to see those things. Tara has that ability. I don't. Talents and abilities are different from spiritual gifts, but they are congruent. They mix. Now, some of you need to kill the American Idol syndrome. You can't sing. So don't join the choir. You know, being a, a music pastor for 11 years, we had this philosophy, oh, everybody could be in the choir. No, they can't. So kill the syndrome. Not everybody could preach. Not everybody could teach Sunday school. Most everybody could facilitate a, a group, though lead a discussion. Every one of you in this room could show hospitality and mercy. Every one of you in this room could give you your resources. Every one of you in this room could share your faith. Do you know if every one of us made a commitment to share our faith or share our hope with one person this year, this room would not contain us in four gatherings. Make me start a third service. I dare you. All for Jesus. Huh. You see, not everybody can do everything, but every one of us can do everything God wants us to do if I give my ability. Now, I want, I want you to hold on to this because this is really important. God is so loving and so good that he would never ask us to do something as a church family that he's not supplied the talent to do the task. God is so loving and so good, he would not ask somebody, something of us as a church family that he's not supplied the talent to do the task. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Do you guys believe that? And the next thing is your, your personality, how God has uniquely shaped and given you a distinct personality for his glory. Now, there are four basic personality types, and that's why I have my friends up here in front of you. Let me read this passage of Scripture. You made me my delicate parts, inward, my delicate inward parts of my body, and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous in how well I know it. God has given you a personality, and he's given four basic personalities, and, and I'm going to just kind of walk through it. First one is he's, some of you are lions, you're lions. You like to take charge. You like to make decisions. You like to say, let's do this now. Let's go. Uh, you, you might say, we're going to have a party. I'm not going to come, but you're going to come, and you're going to enjoy it. It's going to be fun, and don't argue with me. And, uh, they, lions hate to be questioned. Lions like to get things done. Lions are visionary. Lions are task-oriented. Lions like to get it done, and get it done when? Now. Now, and lions are great leaders, and I am a lion. Did y'all know that? I am a lion. And some of you, how many of you in this room think you might be a lion too? Raise your hand. I see those hands. I see those hands. I see some people in denial like John Dunn. Get your hand up. 
Mike Stevens, get your hand up. See, these are lions in the room, and that's great. These are great godly leaders. And lions hate to be questioned, so these two guys are now applauding my demise right now. They're going to blow up my truck or something. But that's, that's lions, and they, they love to get things done. And, and then there's the next personality is the beaver. And the beaver is systematic. Whoop, golden retriever just took a dive. It'll be okay, buddy. Okay, the beaver... The beaver is systematic and organized and loves details, and they're going to, you know, build their little houses, and they, they, they think there's, they read instructions. <laughs> Beavers do. And they like to cover all the bases, and they like everything to, to be done the exact right way. And a lion said, let's get it done, and the beavers say, we'll see about that. <laughs> we'll get it all organized and fixed. You really want your doctor to be a beaver because they're going to do things the right way. You know, you got a, a doctor, doctor that's primary line says, we're going to cut you open. We're going to get that thing out. We're going to do it now. The beaver says, wait just a second. We're going to do it the right way. Now, some of you are a combination of these two, that you like to get it done. You like to do it the right way. And so you're, you're a combination of, of these two personalities. Now, in our family, uh, I'm a combination of two of these things. Uh, and and Tara's, Tara's this combination. She's a lion and a beaver. And this is, this is what she is. So she, she likes to do things the right way. Now, when two lions are married to each other, they can get into an argument. Blood can go everywhere, and then they're okay. They say, you want to go eat? Yeah, let's go eat. Beavers, they write it down and remember it forever. <laughs> I have a list. I know what you've been doing. Yeah. And lion's going, just get over it. Don't question me. I'll eat you, okay? And so that's, that's the lions and the beavers. Y'all don't know you're going to get a puppet show today, did you? And, and the next personality, which is absolutely my favorite, and that's the otter. Otters just want to have fun. They know everybody. They don't know their names, but they know everybody. And everybody's buddy or sweetheart or darling. And, and they, they, they see cars and go, hey, let's go there. There's some people there. And it's like, they go there. Uh, they, like to, they like to tell stories, and the stories get bigger and better every time they tell them. They, they love that. And they love to have fun. They're, they're optimistic. When their checking account gets overdrawn, they go start another checking account. It's, you know, how many credit cards can I have? Not many. And the beavers hate otters. You need to get your life together. And you go, just, you know, like, I just want to have fun. Yeah, your fun is killing us all. Like, stop it. And the lions are going, you two get, get over it and get along. That's just kind of the way otters are. And, and, and somebody, how many of you may think you're an otter? Raise your hand. Some of you are ashamed now. Some of you are pointing hands. Yeah. It's like, you are an otter. And otters are great. You know, looking at uh, the, the, the people in the Bible, you know, what, what was, uh, who, who do you think was an otter in in the Bible, you know, who was that fun-loving? Jesus. But he also was a beaver. And I think he might have been a lion, right? And then here's the last one, the golden retriever. Golden retrievers, this is Dan. <laughs> now, Dan's not here, but Dan is a golden retriever. And that's loving and sympathetic and loyal and kind and good. And, and these are the people you want to borrow money from. You know, like, like the golden retriever mom will go to the grocery store and somebody will be in front and they can't pay for it, so they pay for it. 
and they go out into the car and their otter kid sitting in the car listening to music and gold retriever comes in crying goes what's up with you oh i saw i saw somebody in the car they couldn't pay the girls they just crying said, just lighten up mom it'll be fine they just get over it they'll you know let's let's go get something to eat you know let's still go have something do something fun and the lion is saying suck it up buttercup you know let's get on with it the beaver says Oh, they just need to get a plan. Uh, you know, they need to go through Dave Ramsey and figure out how to get their life together. You know, it's, you know, you got any golden retrievers in the room? Kind, sympathetic, loving? You're ashamed. You're they're usually shy. Yeah, okay. I see, I see hands pointing at each other. Now, God has done all these things, but he wants you to be in perfect balance like Jesus. Jesus was the Lion of Judah. Jesus fulfilled every prophecy ever given about him. The Pharisees said he was a glutton, and uh, he, he was the life of the party. They hated him for that. And do you think Jesus is a golden retriever? Absolutely. So he's all for those in perfect balance, and we should strive to do the same. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I was in South Dakota, and I spoke at a conference, and I met a guy there, Mike Postalweight. That's his name, Postalweight, like waiting on the mail. And uh, he, he leads a, a, a huge company called Ministry by Strengths, and he set us up with a free assessment profile. Now, usually, he, he works for companies like Delta Airlines, and he charges big bucks for this. But for us, First Baptist Wimberley, he set us up for free. How cool is that? Okay, well, I'm gonna throw that information up on the slide so you can write this down. Okay, here it is. Uh, he set up with a free church account to help you understand your ministry by strength. So go to this website. I want you to write this stuff down. Okay, I'm gonna get, let, that, let that slide be up there for a second. Go to ministry by mbsfamily.com. Click on the link, receive your free profile. Complete the sign-in field. Your password is FBC 2017 and complete the survey, then print and save it. Now, it's what it's gonna give you. Instead of lion, beaver, otter, and golden retriever, it's gonna give you red, red, yellow, blue, and green. I'll tell you what they are. Red is lion. Red is lion. Um, yellow is beaver. Blue is golden, is golden retriever. And green is otter. And it'll give you varying degrees. Now, it's really interesting that when you take this assessment, I came out as an otter, but with a lot of lion. Tara took this. She came out as a beaver. No, excuse me, as a lion with a lot of beaver. So it's, and our whole staff has taken it. And so I'm giving it to you guys for free. And when we start our uh, Understanding Your Spiritual Shape class, which we're going to offer very soon, this will be a part of that so you can understand how God has uniquely shaped you. Some of you have trouble in your relationships because you don't understand that God has shaped your spouse with a different personality than you. Have you heard this? Opposites attract. Now, when they get married, opposites attack. <laughs> and so some of you have been struggling, and this, this, this right here will help you. Some of you are going, why do they do what they do? It's because God has shaped them with their personality. Are you guys enjoying this so far? And the last one is your experience. We know that God causes everything to work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Now, we shared that with you, and here's the deal. God, I want you to write this down. God never wastes a hurt. God never wastes a hurt. He's always using your life and the hurts in your life that you might ministry, uh, minister to others. You see, your hurts become a pathway of empathy that you might minister to someone else. Your mess becomes your message. Your misery becomes your ministry. Now, those aren't just things preachers say. This is the truth. 
This is the truth. Over the years, Tara and I have been involved in helping people uh, with, with addictions. And we've done uh, lots of, of, of encounters of restoration, confrontations. And I don't like them, but God has given us those experiences that we might rescue people. Uh, there was, in Victoria, Texas, I helped establish a recovery ministry because one of my best friends struggled with addiction. He passed away, not from addictions, from other things, because the Lord saved him from that. But his legacy has been a ministry for people that are struggling with addictions, and I helped get that started. And because God wants to leverage these things in your life. So some of you have been wounded deeply, and some of you have spiritual experiences that are life-changing. God has given you these experiences that you might minister to them. Some of you have painful experiences that you've gone through excruciating pain that God says, I want to leverage this. I want to. Some of you have vocational experiences. Some of you have moved to the hill country to retire and do nothing and then die. That's not God's plan for you. Some of you led big stuff before you moved to Wimberley to live in obscurity and eat at the leaning pear. <laughs> he wants to use your life for his glory, and he wants to use it in the family. And so step up with your experiences. Say, hey, I, I did this once. How can I do this for Jesus? And leverage those experiences. Uh, some of you had educational experiences. You've had deeper training. Some of you had educational experiences that haven't been in a university. One of, one of my heroes of the faith is A.W. Tozer. He's written some amazing books about the holiness of God and the person of God and understanding the, the theology and understanding it in a, in a very deep, practical way. A.W. Tozer had no formal education at all, but he's blessed others because he's, he's educated himself. And so God wants to use all these things. And God wants to say, I want to use them now and I want to use them in this body. You know, there's sometimes that I think maybe experiences really drive us to really understand our shape, to understand our spiritual gifts and understand our abilities and our passions and our personalities. Those experiences start to shape us and, and define us and refine us. Um, I don't know why God sent me to Wimberley, but he did. And my shape, my spiritual gift, my heart, my abilities, my personality, my experiences for this time in this place. And I'm grateful. I don't know why God sent you to Wimberley. Maybe you're bored here, probably with the exception rather than the rule, but he's placed you here for his purposes and his for glory. He has shaped you for the season. And so you have to lean into it. You see, you are being shaped by God to live all for Jesus shaped by God to live all for Jesus. You might have to try some things before you find your, like, find your passion, find what you're really good at. Our church in Canada, we had this huge food service ministry. We called it Harvest Ministries. And, and we fixed meals. Um, gosh, we served lunch on a couple of days a week. We had... Uh, Breakfast on Sunday mornings, uh, stuff on Saturday nights. We had Saturday night service. We had food on Saturday nights. Uh, Wednesdays, we had classes and courses and they cooked meals then and served people and they did this. And you, you know why we did this? 
because it, it allowed about 300 people to jump into ministry at a very low commitment level. And that harvest ministry was, hey, come, come, come help us. And then they found out where they went, where they went from there, where they went from there. Uh, we also, greetings, same way. It, it's, it's, a, it's an entry place in. Instead of jumping into the deep end, maybe you need to try a few things till you find out what you're really good at. And then serve God by serving others. Um, in the days ahead, I want to throw gas on you guys about being entrepreneurial in ministry. There's things that we think of the church that's got us so siloed and, and so isolated. We think God only wants to use you inside the church's organizational structure. That's not true. Uh, one of the things I love about Carpenter's Helpers is that they're outside the box. They're outside the boxes. I, I see white crosses all over this community, so I know there's Carpenter Helpers buried all over the place here. <laughs> Kind of a standing joke. I know what the crosses are for. I'm just being a smart aleck. But that's, you know, that's it's thinking beyond yourself. Some of you say, well, I've already always wanted to start. Now, Jan can tell you this. Don't come to me with a ministry idea that you don't expect you're going to lead. Right, sister? Because we're starting Grief Share because out of her min misery has come a ministry and a few other ladies. That's how God works. First thing you have to do. You have to give yourself to Jesus. You have to give yourself to Jesus. Just like that surfboard was shaped for me, I wasn't enjoyed by me until I got on it and wrote it. And Jesus wants you to give your life to him that he might use you for his glory. Now I would dare say that most of you in this room have said yes to Jesus. You're, you died right now, you'd go to heaven. But dying right now and going to heaven is not why God saved you exclusively. He saved you so you could serve him. So find your shape and find your passion and serve God by serving others, all for Jesus. But first, give yourself to Jesus. So let's just, let's just nail that down. Let me ask you this. Has there been a time in your life when you prayed a prayer that basically said, Jesus, I'm yours? Has there been a time that you've given your heart to Christ? Last Wednesday night in youth group, a young girl was sitting there and she, she said, I've never done that. She's been coming to church a long time. You see, it's not what you show up to, it's what shows up in you. It's not about what you attend that makes you right. It's what you commit to that makes you right. And so maybe this morning, the first thing you need to do is give your life to Jesus. And for the rest of us that have trusted Christ, maybe we need to give our lives to Jesus and say, Jesus, use me. I say yes to you. I don't know where it's going to take me, but I know it's going to take me someplace good, and I will trust you. I will say yes to you. And then serve God by serving others according to your shape.